Last weekend, the gospel showed an enthusiastic crowd of about 5,000 people ready to make Jesus their king, believing that the miraculous feeding they experienced was a sign that he was the long-awaited prophet like Moses. And we saw that Jesus would have nothing to do with their plans and departed to the mountain alone. And we also witnessed a critical lesson all disciples must learn from that miraculous feeding. When confronted with an overwhelming task, our fallen nature is easily paralyzed by our limitations, and we allow our limitations to prevail over us, tempting us to despair, and we do nothing. But God's grace can bring about an incredible abundance with what little we have, despite all our insufficiencies, if only we are willing to offer our little to him. Now, for reasons I do not understand, Today's gospel skips some critical verses, <clears throat> 16 through 24, which forms a bridge between last weekend's reading and today's reading. Jesus sent his disciples out on the Sea of Galilee while he remained behind. Like the testing of Philip, this too was deliberate. They rowed out about three or four miles when they encountered a strong wind. Then Jesus walked on the water toward the boat. When the disciples saw him, we are told by the text, they were terrified. But he said, it is I, do not be afraid. The Greek of the gospel uses the phrase, egoimi, for it is I. But it also means, I am. The Greek title for the Hebrew expression God used of himself to Moses, ea asher ea, I am who I am. Jesus, therefore, identified himself as God, and according to the text, the disciples were then, quote, glad to take him into the boat. And then came a critical verse. And immediately, get that again, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Now, why is that critical? Two reasons. First, it underscores that like his father, so too the son can and does use the laws of time, space, and physics as he chooses, in any way he chooses, at any time he chooses, because he is the Lord of creation. Second, the boat is really the church, and Christ is always to be in the boat, his church. These would be crucial lessons for the disciples to learn in their preparation for the mystery of the Eucharist. Well, the crowd spent a great deal of time and energy trying to find Jesus. Eventually they did in Capernaum. Now notice what they said to him in the gospel. Rabbi, when did you get here? They called him Rabbi. It was certainly a title of respect. But hang on, didn't they just think the other day that he was the long-awaited prophet? Weren't they going to go run off and make him a king? Well, Jesus didn't answer their question, but dragged out their private motivations into the light. He often does that to us, you know. 
Amen, amen, I say to you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. It is if Jesus was saying, hey, look, guys, um, let's not waste any time on niceties. There's something important you need to understand. And then he got straight to the point. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, now listen to this, for on him the Father, God, has set his seal. For most moderns, this goes in one ear and straight out the other. For the ancients, that ancient audience would have been taken aback. Why? For the ancients, when something had a seal imprinted on it, they knew it belonged to the one who sent it. It has all the authority and the power of the one who sent it. The one who seals and the one who is sealed are one in the same. The people needed to grasp this. We need to grasp this to open ourselves to the mystery that Jesus is the bread of life. The crowd asked, what can we do to accomplish the works of God? Now notice the acts asked in the plural, works of God. Jesus answered in the singular, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one he sent. It is the Father who bestows the grace to believe in the Son, and the only work that counts for man is to accept the grace to believe in the Son of God. But it is a hard it is a demanding work because the darkness of this world does all it can to obfuscate it, ridicule it, try to explain it away, create all kinds of fancy theories about it, and many settle for the false wisdom and the illusions of this world. And why do they do that? They want to be in control. That's what it boils down to. The crowd asked him for a sign. Seriously? They had forgotten what they just experienced not 24 hours ago. And we do the same thing. They reminded Jesus that God gave Moses and the people bread from heaven. And Jesus said, Amen, Amen, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave the bread from heaven. My Father gives you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Now Jesus revealed three things here. First, that he is much more powerful than Moses. Second, the manna was not the true bread that came down from heaven, but a foreshadowing of the true bread of God, Jesus himself. And third, Jesus' origin is not earthly like Moses', but heavenly. And he came down from heaven for one reason only, to give life to the world. It was a lot for everyone to take in. It still is a lot for anyone to take in. 
but it was essential then, and it is essential in every generation where the gospel is proclaimed that people understand what Jesus means. How did the crowd respond? They were getting antsy. They said, Sir, give us this bread always. Notice the increasing disappointment they have in Jesus. Many of us do the same thing. Earlier they called him the prophet and wanted to make him king. Then they called him rabbi. Now they called him what? Sir. Why the decline in their enthusiasm? For the same reason that many today grow cold toward Jesus or are content to pay him eh, lip service. He defies all our efforts to be corralled, to be squeezed into those nice, neat, tidy categories that mesh with our theories about him. The real question here is, why do we do that? Why do we do those things? And the answer is simple. Fallen man is frightened by holy mystery because we are powerless over it. We want to tame mystery. We want to manage mystery. We insist that mystery conform itself to our limited perceptions. And then Jesus put all the cards out on the table. He said, Ego imi o artostis zois. I am the bread of life. In saying I am, again, he reveals that he and his Father are fully one, that the Son, was sealed from all eternity as the beloved of the Father and shares fully in the divine nature. Therefore, the Son's word, like his Father's word, always accomplishes that for which he sends it out and never returns empty. As the prophet Isaiah said, so shall it prosper in the thing for which I purpose it. And there it was. Here it is today. Revelation. All out in the open. Holy mystery was, and right now, is placed at the feet of fallen human beings. And how do they respond? How do many respond today? You'll see that in next weekend's gospel. 